and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have Melanie Miller, the Profit Lovers. Melanie Miller is a lover of the unsexy side of the business. After breaking up with the corporate world of soul-sucking employers, she became a business coach focusing on dishing up the hard, unsexy truths of business to women. Four years ago, tragedy struck when Melanie's mum lost an almost two-year battle with breast cancer. Everything changed. Seeing how short life really is, Melanie decided to go all in on creating a lifestyle business driven by her passion to help women create profitable, livable and lovable businesses both off and online. Today, Melanie has a thriving online business, a crazy fun community of over 8,000 female entrepreneurs and is living nicely in what she calls her business sweet spot. Melanie shares with us Excuses will get you nowhere. There is no golden peels, business unicorns or magic bullets, so stop looking for them and show up. Show up in your business and life every day. So it's time to tune into this amazing, colourful, inspirational woman. Well, hello, listeners. Today we have Melanie Miller from The Profit Lovers. How are you today? I am very well. It's luckily I'm dry. It's uh, flood warnings here on the Gold Coast yet again. So it's nice to be snuggled up in the office on this Tuesday evening. Mm, I know. So so we, it is freezing. Mind you, it's not. there's no rain, but it is very cold in Melbourne. But it's like that. Melbourne is like a box of chocolate. You just never know what kind of day you're going to get. And sometimes we get three or four seasons in one day. So I'm sure you're probably the same in, in where you're at too. Do you know what? The Gold Coast is either warm and I'm complaining that it's freezing or that it's stinking hot. It, it doesn't really go be- below that too often. Oh, okay. But it's always, at least it's nice. It's always warmish. Yeah. So, Melanie, for our listeners, I was asking you beforehand, how did you come up with the name, The Profit Lovers? I would love for you to share that and then maybe unpack a little bit of, uh, of uh, unpack you, Melanie Miller. The Profit Lovers was not something that I sat down and brainstormed and, and was looking specifically for a business name. It was I was always very happy just to go under my own name, Melanie Miller. But I was noticing as I was trying to get my message across, and my message is very much about women in business embracing profit and not seeing it as something that they should feel guilty or embarrassed or greedy for aiming towards. 
And so I would refer to uh, my tribe as profit lovers to try and get them to really embrace profit and love profit. And then they started referring to themselves as profit lovers. And it kind of stuck. So it was very organic. And I think that um, it was such an amazing way to come about this business name because it was almost like my tribe self-identified as that. And so it stuck and, and that's where it came from. So the Profit Lovers is very much, as I said, about getting women to embrace the power that their business has. Um, I was a one-on-one -on -one business coach and um, I had quite a, a tragic circumstance in my life. My mum was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer. So when we found out, she was already at stage four. And so there's there's no no real going back for that from from most people, right? And so I really at that point needed to change and shift my business to be able to, one, pay for all the medical costs. You cannot even imagine the onslaught of medical costs that come when you're caring for a terminal patient. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of stuff that I thought Medicare was going to cover and it just didn't. And so there are all these extra things she needed. And so I needed to work that bit harder and the only way to really do that was to try and leverage my time better. I was one-on-one -on -one at the, the time, one-on-one -on -one business coaching, but I was quite stuck because, you know, it takes maybe an hour or two to drive to somebody's location and then you spend an hour or two with them coaching and then it's an hour to get to maybe your next, you know, coaching client. There's a limitation to how many people you can squeeze into a week while still giving them the level of expertise that they deserve. And I certainly didn't want what was going on in my personal life to affect what they were getting in terms of value from our coaching arrangement. So I decided to take the knowledge I had and create some sort of online revenue that was going to be a little better leveraged. Unfortunately, I didn't get it off the ground while she was still alive. Um, we didn't know, you know how long she would um, be able to keep going for. And so she did pass away and that always makes me a bit sad because she knew that this is what I was working towards and she's very excited about it, very, very excited about it. So I wish she had been around to um, see the, the progression. The thing was with her is she passed away with uh, no assets, no superannuation, no insurance. So when she was diagnosed, I can't even imagine what it must have felt like for her. We don't have a lot of family. I just can't imagine. And she was, um, you know, divorced from my father. I can't imagine as a single woman in her, you know, late fifties, early sixties, what it would have felt to have had no savings, no assets, no insurance, no super, and to be diagnosed with this disease and not know how you were going to take care of things. Um, you obviously I stepped in and I was more than happy to do so. And it was an amazing year and a half we got to spend together but it very much shaped my view on how I wanted my business to grow and what I wanted to achieve. I went from wanting people to have a great profitable business to being very specific in wanting women to embrace profit and to see the power it has to create safety um, in, their, in their lives and in the lives of their families. And, you know, she had a small business. It was just, you know, a side gig for her, a little bit of a side hustle. She made the most incredible handmade children's clothes, just divine. And she had quite a, a little following. 
but she never had the confidence to really monetize it the way that she could have. And I think because of that, I had this real burning desire of um, I'm not watching anyone else go through this and I'm going to spend my career doing what I can to get women to understand how powerful a business can be to provide for you. And this is where Profit Lovers becomes very important because accepting profit and wanting to make profit from your business is about safety and security and being able to look after yourself. It's not about being greedy or taking from somebody else. That was a really long answer. Oh, no. I could, you know, I could relate to what you're saying and you hear it quite often and there's a lot of guilt around money and especially for women, you know, whether it's investing in themselves, investing in their business, there is a lot of guilt associated with money and I think it's it's very true what you're saying. There's nothing wrong with making a profit. After all, you're in business to make profit but it's about embracing the profit and loving the fact that you're making a profit which is what I'm getting from what you're saying. Correct. And the healthier you are in your own financial situation, the less you have to worry about where maybe that next mortgage or rent payment's coming from or, you know, the fact that you've got to go and have maybe uh, a mammogram and you don't have any insurance. All of those things that happen outside of our business that is part of life are, of course, going to have an impact on our confidence within our business. And if we can really create that safe, secure platform from which we run our businesses, then it stands to reason that we're in a better and more powerful position to share whatever it is that our business shares. I certainly wouldn't be as effective as someone sharing what I share if I was you know, always worried about money in the background. I think it's really important that we have that really safe, secure platform and that we are then able to take our message out and, and deliver. And there shouldn't be any reason to feel guilty about that the safer you are in your own financial, um, it, it, where, where you are financially, the more you can share your message, the more people you can share your message with. So, Melanie, you work with women, women in business, and you help them take their business online. Is that correct? Uh, not necessarily, only if they want to. So I help women understand what I call the unsexy side of business. So this is the numbers. This is understanding what conversions are, understanding what your cash flow should look like, understanding how to pay yourself a regular amount of money each week so that you feel like you're being rewarded from your business. If you are doing that offline, you'll get as much um, information and insight and knowledge from my content as you will if you're somebody who's doing it online. The online part of my business really came from being very frustrated by the false messages that were in the market about creating online income. And I was seeing all of these messages and I was just thinking, liar, liar, you liar. How are you telling people that, you know, they can make this six-figure income in, you know, less than a month? Or how are you, you know, spitting these stories that are giving people false promise and false hope? And so I really wanted there to be almost the antithesis of that, my message, which was this isn't going to be easy and this isn't going to be fast, but my gosh, it will be worth it. So the online component is just really the information that I learned when I was taking my coaching business online and leveraging it a little better. So in saying that there was a lot of information out there, there are lies. What are the truths with online business? 
The truth is that it is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, it's going to take time and you have to be willing to invest some time to really test and measure. There is probably less than 1% of the market that will create a concept or an idea, put it out to market, and all of a sudden will have $100,000 in sales. You know, that is the exception. It isn't the rule. And so because we're told that over and over and over again, that this is all very easy, when smart women with amazing content put it out there online and it's not picked up instantly, often they say, I'm a failure at this. This is not right for me or I don't deserve this or I'm never going to be able to do this. And so that amazing content, you know, disappears because they give up. And my message is don't give up. There is a way to get people to want what you have to offer. You've just got to be persistent and you've got to try different things. So that's the biggest thing for me is seeing those false promises of, um, you know, make a heap of money in a really short period of time. It just doesn't happen that way for most people. But if you're willing to, you know, treat this like a marathon and you're willing to invest a longer amount of time, the results that you're going to get at the end are amazing. And I can say that because I've transitioned my business to um, mainly an online business and I absolutely love it, but it took time. The other thing is, and something that I find really frustrating in marketing is we often see and hear about these six-figure launches. So people will be talking about how they made six figures from their first you know, launch. What they're not sharing is what the financial investment in that launch was. And to be very honest with you, I found this out because I joined some mastermind groups with other women and I was hearing people's stories and I was thinking, hey, hang on. I thought I was kind of the loser of the group, that my revenue being in, you know, less than 100000 at that time was really embarrassing almost. I didn't really want to share it with anybody. But the fact is that most of my revenue was profit. So I was getting, you know, if I did $10,000 in sales, I was keeping $8,500 of it. A lot of these $100,000 or $200,000 launches, they're not telling you that they've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars to create that income. And so it's a little bit of a, you know, it, it's marketing, right? And marketing sometimes is based on highlighting what you want people to pick up, but there's a reality of how much they've invested to create that income. Mm. So I do have a couple of questions for you. So you mentioned time as one of them. So when you're talking about time, how long does it take for our listeners that are, are in business and um, are looking at uh, going online? That's kind of a how long is a piece of string question. Right. So one of my courses um, took me a good seven months of really mucking around with the funnels and tweaking and trying different ads and trying different content and trying different sales pages to really get it selling. And when I say seven months, I was not at my computer 40 hours a week, nutting away at it. It's, you know, it's, uh, it was over a seven month period where I would be going in every couple of weeks and making some little tweaks and little changes. Another course that I created, um, literally from the day that I launched it, it was quite a hit. So I think that it's, there is no, this is exactly how long it will take. It's more understanding what the key uh, indicators are that you're looking for, conversion rates and opt-ins and sales page conversions, and then making improvements on those numbers. 
Okay, so you're you're really what you're doing is it's you're testing the market because there's other uh, ladies, inspirational women uh, that have come on the show where they talk about that you don't really need to have a lot of upfront money, but if you do it in a smart way where you're testing the market, doing split testing or A/B testing. Uh, you don't need to invest a lot of money, but once you know exactly what your market wants and your target, and your, you understand your target market, and you create the product for your t- target market, that's where the success is. Correct. Yeah. So I always say to people, it's the right product at the right time for the right people, and so if you can get that mix right then you're going to really lessen the amount of time it's going to take you to get that idea to sell. So in Create Your First Online Course, it's a program that I sell. I teach people that step one is to brain dump your ideas and then step two is to test them and not to create one bit of content for a course, not to go and invest in um, online course platforms or anything fancy until you've tested the idea and you know that people are going to pick up what you're putting down. Mm, I love that. So let, let's play this out for our listeners. Say somebody um, has got great content and they've tried it because quite often I hear that and I've tried it, it didn't work for me, but they have amazing content. What kind of advice would you give them um, if they've got great content? I would want to know their numbers and this will just bore the pants off everybody because it's once again, it's a really unsexy answer. But if I can see somebody's numbers, then I can generally tell them where they've gone wrong. So whenever you're creating and launching, particularly an online product, how many people saw that initial opt-in and how many people handed over their email address? What percentage of it was out of every 100 people did 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50% of those people opt in? If that's a really low number, if that's say less than 20 then you right there, we've got a problem. They have seen an offer and they haven't been interested even though the offer is free. And that might be the language that you've used. It might be the colours that you've used. It might just be that there's been a disconnect between what the market wanted and what you've put in front of them. It might be that you've used language that doesn't really resonate with them. And I've been very, very guilty of probably all of those things. In particular, I had to really watch the language that I was using because I come from a general management background. I talk in terms of gross profit margins and um, you know net profit and conversions and KPIs. I use a lot of technical business terms that aren't particularly appealing or attractive to my target market. So I've got to communicate to them where they're at, not where I would like them to be. So there there would be step one. If step one was, yes, everybody's opting in, you know, we've got say 40 or 50% of people who see that original, sorry, that initial offer are happy to enter their details. My next question would be is how are they interacting after that? Are they opening emails that you're sending them? If they're not opening emails, then we've got a little bit of a problem with the way that you're communicating with them via email. If you've got a really engaged audience, and this happens a lot, you can have a a really engaged audience, an opt-in that's gone great. You've got all of these people um, really eating up every bit of content you put out there, and then you go to sell them something and it doesn't sell. 
then my question would be how many people saw your sales page, how many people purchased, what was your conversion. There may be a disconnect between the offer that you've put in front of them and what they think their problem is. So there's, it's basically like a leaky funnel. It's the best way I can describe it. If something's not selling, it's going through the leaky funnel and plugging the, the leaks in the pipe, so to speak. I like that analogy. So you mentioned problems. So for our listeners, is that something they should be focusing on is a problem uh, and how to fix the problem once you understand your target market? Yes, absolutely. People want problems solved. And I think one of the most difficult things you can ever try and achieve is to sell somebody something that they don't see that they have a need for. Um, You want to uncover the need, highlight the changes that will happen between having the problem and not having the problem and then fill the gap in between. So, you know, for me, what I help women do is create um, a profitable, a livable and lovable business. So they're the three cornerstones, profitable in that you're going to have revenue coming into your business, livable in that it's going to fit into your lifestyle and it's not going to be this fixed seven or eight or 12 step plan that means that you know, you've got to completely change your lifestyle around to make this plan work. And then lovable in that you actually want to be doing this. There's no point in creating a business that's profitable if you hate it. So they're the three cornerstones. So what I'm doing whenever I'm encouraging people to purchase one of my courses or or be coached by me is I'm highlighting where they're at at the moment and the fact that they probably aren't in a profitable, livable, lovable business. And I'm showing them what it would look like to have that solution And the steps in between is obviously working with me. So it's really important that you hone in on the problem. And once again, I'll share with you that I made a really big mistake here. Um, I made the mistake. Let me tell you, the online world is a steep learning curve and I made a whole lot of mistakes. Um, One of the very first mistakes I made was that I created a program called Supercharge Your Small Business. What I hadn't done was identified what my... Uh, tribe really wanted from their business and they didn't want to supercharge their small business. The idea of supercharging what they had really freaked them out. It felt overwhelming. It felt time consuming. It felt really scary. And so I sell exactly the same content now, but it's framed to fit the solution that they're looking for, which is creating more ease in their business finding out where their priorities lie and filling the gaps. So definitely I've made all of the mistakes that I'm talking about. I've done it all. Mm. So Melanie, what are your thoughts around offering free content compared to charging? Because there's different, uh, I guess, ways of thinking. Some people think that if you do it for free, they don't see the value in it and they won't buy it. If it's too cheap, they don't see the value they won't buy it. If you put it up in a pri- in your price, they'll see that there might be some value and they'll invest in it. So what are your thoughts around the pricing structure? I think there's many different strategies and all of them can work if you stick to the one strategy and you make it work for you so you're not jumping between strategies because I've noticed people do that a lot. They jump between strategies and then they can't figure out why it doesn't work. My personal approach is to provide very high quality free content to a very small group of people. I don't have a massive database, 
A lot of people think that I have tens and tens of thousands of people in my database. I don't. I have a very, very small database and I give them the best that I have, the best that I've learned to help them, you know, whether they invest with me or not, I want them to learn something. The response for me has been I've got so much trust in you that now when you put a course out, I'm happy to hand over $500,000. I'm happy to spend three or $4,000 with you one-on-one coaching because if this is what you give me for free, I can't even imagine how amazing what you give me for you know, a paid price is going to be. So that's my strategy. Mm. The opposite can work. The opposite can absolutely work. It's just not the way that I feel comfortable marketing. It doesn't suit my personality um, and it doesn't suit the way that I communicate. You definitely can create you know, a real need and we see this all the time. There's many things I've opted in for that says, you know, this is the one and only Facebook ad strategy that will ever work. And you go, oh my gosh, it's the one and only, it's the only thing. I have to get my hands on it. Um, and there'll be no real free content. It'll be somebody on a webinar who's maybe introduced themselves, um, showing you how great their life is, giving you maybe two or three tips and then said, if you don't buy this course, you're never going to be successful. And there's a whole lot of people who'll say, I'm going to take that course. I don't care that they've not given me anything for free. I'm going to take that that thing that they're offering. Two different strategies, two different approaches. Um, I wouldn't say that you know, one is necessarily more successful than the other. My strategy definitely requires a big input of time, that's for sure. But I'm also in this for a long, a long game, right? And so I don't want to burn people or I don't want to um, ever ever sell anything that's that's false or misleading. So I'm probably a little too far on the opposite end of the scale, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Look, I'm the same. I give away content all the time and people always say like I give away free ebooks, meditation classes, um, you name it. And people always say you give away such great content. But for me, I guess it depends on your why and your purpose. You do what you do. And for me, it's really I do want to make a, a difference in this world and I do want to help people transform their thinking and for them to tap into the potential so you know whether they then go on to the next piece whether they buy the courses or not that's up to them I don't I'm very much like you I think integrity is really important authenticity and um and that it feels right and you feel aligned to it yeah and it does have to be profitable I do want to you know say it does have to be profitable because the more profitable it is definitely for me the more profitable my business becomes the higher value content I can put out for free because I've got the time and I've got the resources. If you're always scrambling for that next client because you don't have good cash flow, then it's very, very difficult to be putting out your best quality content. So I really see that putting out my best quality content um, really starts the wheel turning of people investing in my content, which allows me to put more high quality content out there. Mm, I love that. So, Melanie, the other thing we ask our woman of inspiration is that uh, every business has a pain point. So in your business, what would be one of those biggest pain points that you deal with on a day-to-day basis? Um, I uh, this, change, this changes all the time. Um, right now I think that my biggest pain point is probably outsourcing. I'm not particularly good at outsourcing which means that I'm not particularly leveraged if that makes sense 
So if I don't um, find a way to hand off some of my workload, I'm not going to be able to grow past where I am right now. And I'm very aware of that. So it's definitely a pain point for me now. And I think it um, probably comes back to me being incredibly self-sufficient. Um, I moved out of home when I was a baby. I was very, very young. I was still in high school. And so from a very young age, I've had to really take care of myself. And so handing any part of this thing that I've grown that keeps me fed and keeps a roof over my head really freaks me out. Mm, of course, it's your baby. But mm. I think I can relate to what you were saying. I moved out of home when I was 16 and I found it really difficult to uh, delegate my work. But the moment I did that years ago now, it does free you up. And and I think that for me, it's it's impossible for me to know every aspect of my business. I know a little bit about it, everything, but I'm not the expert in marketing or social media or anything like that where I have a wonderful team who do know all that stuff. So for me, it's actually changed the way that I work by delegating. So um, I, definitely, I, I definitely need to get better at it. I'm also the sort of person who will, and this is not, I was talking to somebody about this the other day and I was saying this is not something that you know I feel particularly proud of, but I'm also the sort of person that, you know, if something if something at home breaks, I will pull it apart and try and figure out how to fix it before I will go and replace it. And it's not about being frugal. It's about needing to know the ins and outs of every single thing. Mm. Oh, I love that. And I see that as being very independent as well, that you don't need somebody else to fix anything up. So that's uh, kudos yeah. to you. I think that very much comes from my mum. I had a, a very... Um, very different upbringing and it's it once again uh, I think it's something that sometimes you see somebody in business and you say look they're they're doing well they're successful they seem really happy all the time they must have quite an amazing life or they probably don't have the struggles that I have and I think people are very shocked when they find out where I've come from uh, because it definitely was not your run-of-the-mill upbringing um, and I would watch my mum really um she could take on anything and she was this tiny gorgeous blonde she was just beautiful very very um delicate woman and she would get under the hood of the car and she would change or clean the spark plugs or change her own oil because she didn't have another option there wasn't any money my father probably nicked off with it and so she was so incredibly self-sufficient there was nothing she couldn't do so I think more so when she passed away it was like I think I became more that person when she passed away, definitely. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. So, Melanie, what do you think would be the number one reason that most individuals fail to, to succeed in business? I believe 100% it's because they fail to embrace all of this unsexy stuff. Women go into business with these ideas that it's going to be, uh, you know, flat lay photos of their desk and it's going to be images of them meditating on a beach and all of that's really lovely but that doesn't drive a business what drives a business is understanding your cash flow having a good solid marketing funnel in place being willing to face up to those numbers even if they're not what you want them to be a lot of women turn away from the numbers because the numbers aren't good and so they say, I don't want to look at them because they just make me feel bad about myself. And so I'm always saying those, they're just numbers. They're not an indication of how valuable you are as a human. 
They're not an indication of how great your product or service is. They're merely an indication of whether or not the wheels in your business are turning effectively. And so I've got a very bizarre analogy I use on webinars of, you know, when our businesses aren't working, a lot of women will say, this is because I'm crap at this and I don't deserve this and I'm never going to have this because I'm not one of those women that, you know, everything happens so easily for and nobody's going to want to pay me. We, we look inwards and we blame inwards. If you've got a car that's broken down, you don't stand next to your car and say, it's not fair. I, I don't deserve a good car. This car's never going to work because I'm a horrible person. The car doesn't work because something mechanically has gone wrong and a business is no different. If your business isn't working, then something within the wheels, within the cobs of your business isn't turning correctly. And so your only challenge is to figure out which one of those wheels isn't turning the way it's supposed to and blaming yourself that you're not, um, you don't want it enough. So therefore you're blocking money flowing to you and all of these other things we tell ourselves can really get in the way of understanding that a business is just based on numbers. And when you get a better understanding of those numbers, you've got a much, much better chance of succeeding. And I really do resonate with what you're saying. It is about how much do you want it when you're talking about business. Melanie, what are your thoughts about uh, social media and business? Uh, I, I think it's a little bit of I love it and I hate it at the same time. I love it because it enables me to get my message across to a whole huge group of women that I wouldn't be able to communicate with otherwise. I hate it because there is so much on there that is false and there is a lot of marketing on there that's trying to really convince women that the their lack of success exists only in their own heads. And sometimes that's not the truth. Sometimes it's, you know, just not a good understanding of marketing or it's not a good understanding of how to price a product or service. Sometimes it's got nothing to do with how you are as a human in this world. And so I think there's a lot of negative business marketing aimed at women. You know, if you, you're not, you don't have business success because you're not um, manifesting in the right way and, and, you know, women invest in this and then they, they think they're doing everything right and the business still isn't working. And so then they decide they're kind of undeserving. So anyway, I love it that I get to share my message. I hate it that there's a lot of messages that I think are very damaging to women in business um, and I think that there's a lot of false stuff that goes on and I myself don't tart up my life. <laughs> it is what it is. Mm. You'll see that very blatantly from my uh, social media and I didn't know that other people did and so it's, it sounds so naive when I say it out loud and I was talking to someone in one of my masterminds one day and, um, you know, I mentioned that a few people with online courses that were doing quite well in the online course world all seemed to have the same artwork behind them. And she said, oh, that's because they all recorded their videos in the same hotel. And I thought that that was their home. So uh, there's definitely for me a bit of a naive, I was a bit naive. I didn't know that people went into hotels. Why wouldn't you go into a hotel and record your video? It's perfectly acceptable. But I think we we put onto social media our own expectations or beliefs. So I believed that everybody lived in really fancy homes that were beautifully decorated and I didn't. And therefore I was lacking. We all take from social media our own kind of insecurities. So I think it can be quite dangerous from that perspective. 
Mm, I totally agree with you. So, Melanie, as we wrap up the show, we always ask our woman of inspiration to describe one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? I think it's blunt, and I didn't ever mean it to be blunt, and it's not something that I strive to be. But the advice that I give is just blunt. It's straight to the point. It's direct. You'll never not understand what I'm trying to communicate because I do it in a very blunt manner. Um, and I I think that that has served me quite well because, once again, it's quite the opposite to what we're seeing in the market right now, which is a lot of words and, uh, you know, a lot of um, big ideas but no real go and do this and see what the result is. And that's probably that one word that I think that <laughs> describes my personal brand. It's just a very pretty word. <laughs> oh, you know what? To me, I see that you're straight up. There's no, you wouldn't leave uh, me wondering what you'd be thinking. You would let me know exactly what your thoughts were about my businesses if I was working with you. So I don't think that's a bad word at all. Yeah, there's no fannying about or tarting anything up or sugarcoating. Mm. It is it is. And the other thing that we do, Melanie, as we wrap up the show, we always ask our woman of inspiration to leave our listeners with three shiny golden nuggets. So what were, what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? I love this question. I love this question. My first one would be excuses get you nowhere. And so if you're making a whole lot of excuses about why you can't be successful, then you may as well give up right now because it's you're just going to make yourself miserable. Excuses get you nowhere. I could come up with, you know, a thousand different excuses for why I can't be successful, particularly based on the way that I was brought up. But I own that that is what happened then and how I choose to use that now to drive me is my choice. So no excuses. Um, Number two would be there are no golden pills or business unicorns or magic bullets. So for any woman in business, I think that this probably goes just for women in life. Stop looking for something that's going to be that next fix or that one thing that turns everything around. There's The great thing about that is knowing that there isn't one magic fix out there gives you so much more control because it means that you can make small changes across multiple different areas and create real change in your life and in your business Don't look for that magic thing that you think is going to cure it all for you because it just doesn't exist. And the third thing would be just show up. Show up in your business if you're going to be self-employed. Show up um, in, in whatever context that means for you. I get very frustrated with women who complain that their businesses aren't working and when I say to them, but what are you putting in? How are you showing up in your business? And they're just not. You know, they're they're not Uh, putting themselves out there. They're not committing. They're not being consistent. They're not checking their numbers. They're not doing the things that are required within a business to be successful. So that would be my third one. So it's excuses get you nowhere. There's no golden ticket, magic bullet, golden pill, glitter-filled pill, spangly uniform that you can pack to get a solution and just show up. I love them all, and I love the uh, business unicorn. I love that one. That's a, that's. I don't think I've ever heard of that one before. So, Melanie, how can our listeners find you? What's the best place? You can find me at theprofitlovers.com. Mm. Melanie, thank you so much for your time, your energy, and your insight. It's been an absolute pleasure to find out more about Profit Lovers and yourself. Catherine, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. 
that brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. If you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care.